Hi, this is Lindsay Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast for Friday, April the 24th. On this week's episode, we're going to talk uh, about the latest coronavirus news in Arkansas. I'm joined, as usual, by Max Brantley. Afternoon. So, uh, Governor Hutchinson continues to insist that the state is moving uh, in the right direction to meet his his target uh, for resuming normal business. Um, this, the state it plans to allow elective surgical procedures to resume uh, on Monday and then as yet specified uh, other businesses to, to begin to reopen by May the 4th. And he also added that he's pointing toward May the 18th for dentist procedures, although dental surgery can begin Monday. I, I mean, I have my doubts about dentistry, but that's another story. Yeah. So, uh, meanwhile, cases continue to spike. Uh, the more and more uh, positives coming out of Cummins Prison. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're edging up toward 3,000 cases in the state, uh, and the hospitalization rate continues to creep up. It's not unmanageable. There's more than 100. Deaths are up to, I think, 46 now, uh, 72 of the 75 counties. Our death rate, if it's a legitimate accounting, is low compared to the country as a whole. So maybe if you get sick, you don't die in Arkansas. That's good. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, there, there's just still an awful lot of evidence that this doesn't just go away, that it continues, and that there's a great risk of a resurgence of it in the fall. And I think particularly uh, the idea of scheduling next week announcing a date for return to reopening of restaurant dining is problematic. Uh, and I kind of sense reading between the line that Nate Smith feels the same way, the health director. But, boy, there's an enormous push. But just this last week, uh, Cappy Peck, uh, who runs Trios and is a member of the city board, said it is simply too early to reopen restaurant dining. And she posted something that Sanjay Gupta had done. I guess, is he a CNN doctor? He's a yeah. media doctor, but, and it was, uh, it was a case study of where a, uh, an asymptomatic COVID-19 person had been traced to have gone to a restaurant and, and they showed the seating chart of where this person sat and the other nine people who got infected by this person, people who were across the room. I mean, and, and here's the other thing about, even if he says, okay, you can reopen and social distance. You can't social distance from a waitress or a waiter. And and the air that's in the contained room circulates. I mean, maybe I'd go to an outdoor beer garden. Maybe. I don't know. But I and a lot of other people, they may reopen restaurants, but I ain't going. Not, yeah, for, that, not for a good long while. That's a that's a huge factor in this is that, you know, the, the state can declare elective procedures on, on Monday, but will patients feel comfortable going? The state can later declare restaurants open, but will people actually come? I mean, they're, they're, <laughs> there's a huge PR issue. Well, and, and, and I feel sorry for the, I mean, these people need their jobs back. A lot of them want to go to work, but a lot of them are afraid to go to work. I, you know, a great letter we ran today was essentially from the point of view of a dental hygienist, and I've since heard from another dentist 
who said, this is a really dangerous profession. You stick your hand in people's mouth where their mucous membranes are, and you use these aerosols that spray crap all around the office. You know, they're just, they're real risk associated with this and not particularly great means of protecting people. And I was thinking, you know, another decision is going to come next week about whether he's going to reopen hair salons and barbershops and tattoo parlors and massage parlors. Well, I'm sitting here as a guy who desperately needs a haircut. But all of this has caused me to think about, about the laxity of hygiene at every barbershop I've ever patronized over the years. I mean, they do not sterilize combs, scissors, or clippers. They reuse them guy after guy. They, all they do to sanitize the sheet they put around you is shake it off on the floor where the hair piles up. They don't sanitize the seats you sit in. You know, a lot of these barbers are old guys like me. A lot of people at risk people. I don't know. I mean, I, I may get a bowl out and ask my wife to trim around the edge, you know, before I go back to a barbershop. Yeah, you, you wrote a, a warm tribute to this was your wedding anniversary this week. Today, yeah, today's my wedding anniversary. For, for, yeah, I mean, that's my endorsement. Today's my wife. She puts up with me. I mean, We've, we've started, we're into our seventh week of, of serious home quarantine, except for about one grocery store run, and we take a daily walk every day. But we get along, fortunately, and she does stuff she does, and I do what I do. And it's, I mean, I'm, I'm really lucky. And a lot of people, you know, I, I mean, I think there's, I notice, I check the court filings every day, a lot of domestic violence filings are still continuing. I, you know, I, so. Well, I, uh, Getting a haircut may may test that bond. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, she's well, she's willing to try. I don't think we have any good enough pair of scissors around here to, to do it with. So I don't know. Yeah. I just may try try and emulate my my hippy dippy days. But anyway, we'll see. Uh, luckily, most of my hair is uh, about gone, so my wife was able to to get out the trimmers and give me a, a mighty fine haircut. There Very, you go. That's good. So. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, cases uh, in the Cummins unit have just exploded. We're now at 690 inmates and 30 staff cases. We're approaching half of the inmate population that has it. And and we don't and and there's more testing. They they've added more barracks for testing. We we don't really know where Cummins is going to end, but it's not going to be good. I somebody sent me a note yesterday. They said there are more cases in Cummins than there are in the New York State prison system, which is kind of hard to believe. But there are a lot of cases, and they they say so far they haven't. They've only done a bare handful of tests. Ten. It's seven other prison units, but they say so far there've been no negative tests from them. I. I you know, I mean, call me a, a cynical skeptic, but but I, I just find it hard to believe that all those other units are going to come off scot-free. I mean, I hope to goodness for the state's sake they do, but but it's, you know, I, we haven't seen the end of this yet. And, and the, the thing that's important about the numbers today is the governor said two things today that are, that are worth noting, I think. One is he continues to insist that you need to look at the cases in Arkansas, not counting the prison. I, I think he's wrong. I mean, I think the, both the prisoners and, and the staff are vectors and that the notion that somehow you can declare them not a part of the whole is, is bad science, if nothing else. I mean, I understand it's not quite the same as being free in the community, but, but still there are ways they're free. But the second most important thing today was, is that 
the number of new daily cases, even when you take the prisoners out, is still rising in Arkansas. It's fairly low, but it's still on an upward slant. The White House guidelines for moving into phase one of reopening, in theory, suggest that you have a declining rate of new cases every day for 14 days. The governor said flatly that that's not going to apply to us. He said, we're just, so we missed one day. Well, we missed three days in a row, actually, here. We're in the 14-day window already. Uh, but he said that, no, there are a lot of criteria. But he says, oh, we'll use medical, best medical testimony and stuff. But, you know, there are a lot of workers that, there, there might be workers at a chicken plant in northwest Arkansas that says, you know, what's happened another easy for you to say, but i got to work in these places. And it's mighty hard to socially distance in, in those plants. And I, I, I think we're, I still think, with all due respect to the governor, who a lot of what he's done has been okay, is far more concerned about getting the payrolls humming than, than he's more concerned with that than with the overall health picture. I, I'm, and maybe I'm crazy. I've just kind of, I have, I'm with Anthony Fauci. I mean, we're not doing enough testing. We're not doing enough social distancing everywhere. We don't know how bad it's going to get. We don't know if there's ever going to be a vaccine. We don't know if we have really reliable testing currently, to tell you the truth. And so I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming a hermit is all. Anyway. Well, speaking of testing, the governor announced yesterday a two-day testing surge Health department changed its testing criteria uh, before you had to have symptoms and either be older or have uh, some uh, chronic underlying chronic disease or condition, um, or you had to have um, be able to demonstrate some contact with with a, a COVID positive patient. Uh, now. Anyone with symptoms can get tested, and even asymptomatic people uh, who have think they've been in contact with somebody can get tested, according to the governor. Though, so as we we reported today, and and as you saw in the governor's press conference, there wasn't much outreach to hospitals, and so it will be interesting in the next couple of days to see how all this works out. Because despite the governor's claims, it seems that hospitals are not well-equipped with tests. And this is another point where, you know, Asa Hutchinson over his six years in office has done a wonderful job of making people think he's nicer and more moderate and compassionate than he really is. And I thought this was one of those little questions that was really very telling where they said, you know, hospitals are saying they didn't get, they were surprised by this. They didn't get any advance notice. He said, well, I wake up every morning to surprise. (laughs) You know, I mean, it was a really jerky response, yeah, you know? and it was and it was kind of like, this is what we're going to do, and that's what I'm going to do, and if you don't like it, screw you. Yeah, I mean, just, just from a logistical standpoint, it seemed like they dropped the ball, but... Well, and here's, here's the other thing, is he can say people can get tests, but if they go to a place that ain't got the materials, and he says, oh, well, we'll get it to them. Yeah, well, when? Like how? And the other thing about this testing that's not just, and of course, the reason we're having a surge in testing is because we're lagging in testing. We, we're still doing piss poor. But the other thing is, is they've made this testing requirement now. They say they've opened up elective medical procedures, effective money. And that's a wide range, colonoscopies, what, eye surgery, dental surgery, whatever. 
I suppose, I suppose breast implants and, you know, liposuction too, if, if need be. Well, but one of the conditions is there are a variety of conditions. You can't be sick and blah, 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 but you have to have a coronavirus test within 48 hours before the procedure. And again, he was asked that, you know, some people may have a hard time doing that. And he said, yeah, kind of tough shit. You know, <laughs> I mean, some people are just going to have to make arrangements and some will be better at it than others are. And of course this brings up directly the abortion question because an abortion patient is not going to be symptomatic. And so can they get a test? In theory, you can get a test for an emergency, the governor said, but the state of Arkansas doesn't believe an abortion is an emergency. Even if you don't get it, you're forced to carry a baby to term that may be fatally have a fatal condition or, or that, you know, you just don't want. And so I, I think the ACLU is, is poised to say that they are still an effective ban on abortion because of this testing rule. I mean, the other problem with testing is, is, you know, the, the, the abortion providers in Arkansas, they can't get doctors to work for them. They, they have landlords who throw them out. They have people who harass the women who go to see them. I mean, will a testing company do tests for an abortion clinic in Arkansas? Remains to be seen. I mean, this testing thing is just still a morass. And, and, and unfortunately, one problem is, is, as Dr. Smith said today, is, hey, they've in South Korea, they had people who tested negative and then they got sick again. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I think this is just a really perilous thing. But if you just chew some Clorox, you'd be all right. <laughs> yeah, the reporter tried to, tried to get... Uh, the governor and Dr. Smith to weigh in on that. And they and it was a chicken shit moment. You know, how hard would it have been for the top health doctor in Arkansas to say, don't inject Clorox or Lysol? Yeah. You know, that, that what Donald Trump said yesterday, not only was scarily wrong from a medical point of view, but you need to tell people, don't do it. I had somebody on my Facebook page today said, well, that UV stuff, how about if I lay on a tanning bed long enough? Will I kill it? And he really <laughs> believed it. I mean, you've got to debunk this crap. And, and they wouldn't do it. I, I, I just, you know, the, the kid gloves with which they treat Donald Trump is, is another real flaw in their reaction here. But you got to do it or he'll, he'll take retribution against you. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about a few other things that happened this week. Um, an assistant chief and two sergeants in the Little Rock Police Department sued uh, Police Chief Keith Humphrey for, they say, retaliating over their opinions on the uh, fatal shooting of Bradley Blackshire. Yeah, well, Hayward thinks the assistant chief said that the investigation was rushed and said it was pressured on the chief by the mayor, something the mayor, Frank Scott, denies and the chief denies. But everybody knows the mayor wanted the chief to do something bad because there was a huge uproar in the black community, and that's the mayor's base. Uh, and then his brother and another sergeant got reassigned to a crappier job, apparently is because they were related to Finks, I suppose. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, this lawsuit read more like an op-ed against the chief than, than a lawsuit. And although Chris Burks is a real lawyer and he filed it and he thinks their constitutional rights have been violated. You know, I think I think superiors have a lot of a lot of room to jack you around in your assignments, uh, unfortunately. And I don't know about the legal legs of this, but 
the mayor and the chief have been mum about it. They're going to have to file something sometime. And, and they also raised an issue that had been uncovered by a notorious blogger here, Russ Raycott, but it happens to be correct, which is the, the chief brought to Little Rock with him a record of some credit card lawsuits in Oklahoma, and which suggests some credit problems. And sometimes that's an issue in, in evaluating people for jobs. The chief sent a message to the force that said, oh, well, this is, not what it seems and somebody didn't live up to their word and who knows what that means. But it's, uh, the problem in the police department is, is I think the chief has trouble with a number of black officers, which Hayward Finks and his brother and his coworker are, and he's got trouble with white officers. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, there's, there's, uh, I think he's doing what the mayor wants and some of the things he's done in terms of changing some policies on, traffic stops and, and some other things are good, but I just detect a, a not entirely wholesome relationship with the rank and file. Um, and then the highway deport department um, is, has been ordered by a judge to submit a status. Yeah, this good news. Uh, uh, the, the lawsuit, the taxpayer lawsuit that's trying to delay or derail the the i-30 construction project through little rock or at least keep it from being a giant billion dollar neighborhood destroying dinosaur got a small victory the federal judge jay moody agreed that with richard mason that the highway department hadn't made clear exactly what the size of this project is going to be exactly what work they've done so far and is it been for a bigger project or a smaller project and what's the status of the environmental reviews for both of them I think the, the highway department's been trying to finesse this and try and get to so much work done that that they can say to the judge, oh, you can't stop us now, judge, no matter how crappy our environmental review was. But they also want to go back to the billion-dollar project, but they can't do that unless voters approve a tax increase in November, and that's another reason they're trying to finesse the review process. But he's made him report by June, so we'll, they're going to have to decide what their story is and stick to it at that point. So that's good news. And finally, just a PSA, uh, the Little Rock School District held a social media town hall last night where district leaders, including Superintendent Mike Poor, answered questions about uh, alternative methods of instruction, online learning, um, graduation. And the key takeaway for all of my uh, fellow parents who are struggling with this is that the AMI work only helps with grades. It will not hurt. If you don't do any of it, the kids will get whatever grade they had the third nine weeks. And, just, and that's it. And the kids who are behind are going to fall farther behind. And with the uncertainty about school next year, I just I just really fear we're heading to a school disaster. I mean, and, and not just in Little Rock, but I mean, everywhere. Nationwide, everywhere people are kids are going to fall behind. And if we continue to be slavishly attentive to standardized test scores, I mean, it, it'll it'll be terrible because it'll be an excuse for the Waltons to come in and take over everything. So well, one thing they I did mention is that they 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 acknowledged they'd gotten complaints about the platforms and essentially admitted that they used them because they're already in place, but that they were reviewing other platforms. If. And, and, and we still have thousands of children around the state that don't have computer access and don't have Wi-Fi. And I mean, I, I don't really blame anybody. This, this situation that was dumped on us was 
really almost unsolvable, but but it's a mess. That's true. Uh, the, to to the, the LRSD's credit, it's really worked hard to get computers to people that need them and um, provide some data plans to folks. I, that- I, th- I think that's true, and they're rich. <laughs> I mean, it's I mean it it the it's rich versus poor. A little poor rural district doesn't have the wherewithal that the Little Rock School District does. Right. I mean, so you know. And speaking of schools, we ought to mention the North Carolina School Board firing its superintendent last night. Yeah. So what do are we closer to knowing the story on that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's it's pretty clear. The uh, well, number one, there are a lot of complaints about Bobby Ackland, who was a superintendent. He's the district's first African American attendant. Their parents, who talked to me today about an inability to get through to him about any number of management issues and just saying, I'll study it. And then nothing is done. But the, the proximate cause of this was, is, uh, I think political meddling by Tracy Steele, a member of the North Carolina school board. There was a woman that was seeking a summer job and got turned down at several schools and got turned down at, at North Little Rock high school. And the principal there finally wrote a letter about what had happened. And it was, brought to the school board meeting last night by a school board member and also a tape that he had made of a meeting he'd had with Ackland. And the, and the essential message was, is that, uh, that this teacher was supposed to get a grievance hearing and the principal didn't need to have the information about what it was about. He was just going to have the hearing and essentially better give this woman a job because Tracy Steele had said, had set the hearing Bobby Ackland, the superintendent had not. And Tracy Steele supposedly, Ackland says wants a woman in there because she's going to be important in his mayoral campaign in November. He's running for mayor. He ran once before and was beaten by Joe Smith, who's retiring. So there's that. And, and I think there's also the fact that there's some there were some personnel decisions, some people who were not renewed for jobs. I think one of them may have been the principal's wife at a principal at another school. But you've got politics. They're going to have a special board meeting at 530 tonight. I, the, the, the problem here is is Acklin in the in a brief interview gave the Democrat Gazette said, well, he thought there was tension because he was the first African-American atten- uh, superintendent. The vote was uh, racially divided. The four white members voted to fire Acklin. The three black members voted to keep him. Tracy Steele was running for mayor as black. Acklin's black. And so I, I think unavoidably there's going to be a racial issue, although there will be in the mayoral race, too. I think it happened in the Tracy Steele won uh, the original election last time, was forced into a runoff, and then the runoff Smith beat him. And I, I think there was some racially polarized voting in that. So this doesn't, I mean, it doesn't bode well for the community to have this kind of fight. But, you know, I noticed Bobby Ackland said that uh, this, this note that, that the principal sent in about Ackland, and then Ackland sent this weird email out to the staff saying that, there's this email going around and don't believe it. It's the work of Satan and it's from the pit of hell. Well, Bobby Acklin has another job as pastor of a missionary Baptist church while he's superintendent of the schools, which is kind of an interesting situation in its own. And I don't know. It's uh, I don't think this is going to settle down anytime soon. And it's too bad for North Little Rock. All right, let's leave it there and move on to endorsements. Well, like I say, uh, my wife, what can I say? I mean, she's, she's the best She's a travel agent and a uh, great mother and a uh, great crossword puzzle worker, and she's made hot fudge sauce for dinner, so I'm, I'm a happy guy. 
Oh wow, that's you're just gonna have the hot fudge sauce and nothing else. Well, we got. I'm gonna do some other cooking, but we got some ice cream and hot fudge sauce. So that's uh, that'll cap that'll cap it off. So, and we'll probably watch you know Washington Week and have our usual wild and crazy Friday Friday night. I am. I'm about to finish up. I, well, we got one episode to go. The final one hadn't aired yet on Homeland, so I've got. That's been keeping us occupied. It's pretty good. Uh, the Michael Jordan documentary is is as good as hyped. I think. Um, really. Yeah. It, it's. You have to have a cable subscription to do it, which is a bummer. I canceled my Hulu like the day before it came out, and then realized I had 